You prepared yourself so well for this race, but it's been pain from the start, and not the good kind of pain. You've just been dropped by the Gruppetto and there's only one thing coming closer and it's not the podium, it's us. But don't worry, you just entered the best kind of boom wagon there is. Oriello bus picks you up and we're there to give you a lift and meanwhile you can listen to the three amigos asking a bike rider stupid questions. And again we open our doors after the Danish world champion we had last time with us the amount of rainbows absolutely skyrocketed this time. My name is Bastian Marx. Mine is Paul Voss. And my name is Andy Stauf. And we welcome mountain bike legend Annika Langwart. You actually got it right in the first um, try. I I'm impressed. Yes? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard so, so many different variations of my name, so I'm used to responding to a lot of things, but you got it really, really well. <laughs> Okay, uh, do you know why you are here with us? Uh, yeah, I, I just got uh, dropped by the Gruppetto and now I am in your company. Yes, <laughs> that's right, but also uh, one of our German guests, he's actually Austrian, but German language, um, said we should record with you. And do you know who it was? I think I heard something about that it was uh, Alban uh, Lakata. Yes, right. Yeah, I asked him also a few uh, things, if he wants to know something today from you, and I got something from him. But uh, mm -hmm. do you know when, when you met him, or did you met a few times? Uh, yeah, we met uh, on several occasions, because uh, we've been doing a... Uh, many of the same races uh, in the past. I actually, mm -hmm. I actually think one time we stood on the World Champs podium together, wearing rainbow mm -hmm. stripes. If I am not mistaken, but I could be wrong. Yeah, but could be right. But, but then it was marathon World Championship? Yeah, it was. Well. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let, let me let me just like uh, put things right. I hope I can do it. Um, and start my little monologue I hold every episode at the start and uh, tell the listeners who you are. Annika is 37 years old and we find her in Copenhagen at home today. Um, you've got, I found out, uh, 5.7 liters of blood and can pump 30 liters in a minute. <laughs> you are a dentist now. Uh, you studied, studied uh, you started your studies at 2006 two years before you started race cycling, cycling races, and finished in 2016 or 17? My studies, I finished in 17. All right. Um, and you have a quite funny and informational YouTube channel. Everyone can pick that up and uh, have a look. There you can find how many liters of blood she has. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let's go over to your career. You started um, in a club, started doing races at 2008. And um, 2009, you already scored your first national champion title <laughs> in cross country. Uh, it worked out pretty well, seems like. You, uh, at this moment, you, your career's ended, have 19 national champion titles in cross-country, in road race, in cyclocross, in mountain bike marathon, and in time trial. From 2011 to 2018, you won the marathon, MTB marathon world champion title five times. 
you've been with Specialized since 2013. Uh, from 2014 to 19, five times Cape Epic champion with three different partners. You got one world champion title in cross country and one second, I guess. Mm -hmm. Was it more? Yeah. Uh, this is a, a story uh, that was a bit sad for you, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wrote a bit day. about it. Yeah, this was no good day. Um, yeah. Uh, 2018 short track got introduced next discipline and you won five out of the first six races <laughs> yes um you won nearly everything you can but you missed unfortunately your two shots at the olympics and uh, didn't try a third time and for us uh really exciting is 2019 in your last year as a professional cyclist you switched to road cycling and this was pretty successful too uh, amazingly successful we will come to that later <laughs> okay and 2020 you ended your career and maybe uh, i should ask alban's first question now why so soon <laughs> <laughs> yeah why so soon hmm well I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, it was just about time. Um, I almost felt like, if anything, I should have done it earlier. Like sitting now, looking back and remembering all the struggles I had the past few seasons of my career. But all in all, it was good and, and the timing was how it was. You know, there's never anything, there's never perfect timing uh, for that. I just felt, you know, it's it's coming to an end, and now it's time. So that was that was that was kind of the reason. But I I understand why he's asking that because I, I think he's he's still racing, <laughs> and still I have he's, no idea about his yeah, age. But you know, racing, he was yeah. he was once I got into the sport, he was already you know there for a while, and once I finished, he was still carrying on. So I'm impressed by that. Not gonna but lie, but I think he's over 40, and he told us yeah, a few weeks so. ago that he's gonna uh, he's going for another world champion title. So yeah, there you yeah. see. Cool <laughs> yeah, but the effort is the effort is different. Yeah, like um, doing marathons or like Cape Epic, it's a yeah, it's like more an endurance thing than like cross country where you need uh, you you need to be more explosive. Yeah, it, I think it requires different training and so on, and uh, that's I think you oh no I know you're losing a lot of like explosivity with like age and it's hard to compete then yeah uh, against a new generation or younger younger girls or women yeah but um <laughs> I, i find it quite amazing that you actually won five short track races and then also cape epic doing really well on the road in like hard long races uh it, it just doesn't fit together you know yeah, <laughs> from the no, type no. of rider you are <laughs> because kind, like kind of like a swiss really army intense. knife <laughs> yeah it's like really intensive yeah. races you're good but also like in the long lasting races um yeah i don't know like um was it also when you were younger your talent already or is it you actually so, good in everything yeah well i understand why you ask that question because it's You know, the human brain works in a funny way and we always want to put people, you know, in a box and kind of keep yeah. them there. It's uh, nice and easy and, you know, 
uh, easy for the mind to understand. But um, yeah, but but also your body wants to put you in a box. Eh? Like it either says, "Oh, you can produce a lot of lactate." Maybe not everyone. Like <laughs> <laughs> not everyone, obviously. No, I think you know. I think really, I I have a lot of power, and I have a really good endurance. I'm I'm kind of all round, and in the short track races. I don't think I have a higher peak power than my competitors, but because I have a very good endurance, I can keep on producing the same power mm -hmm. over and over again. And I think that's that's kind of how I work. I don't see myself as a pure bread sprinter. I, I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure on the road I could not compete with the bread sprinters, or actually I'm quite sure of that. But, you know, because I have such a good endurance and I am capable of recovering really well especially when i'm in good shape um, that's kind of my secret to to the the short track uh, success i had how many minutes are a short track race it's 20 and you go flat out from the beginning to the end okay, and, okay, uh, okay. it's basically <laughs> yeah, like that, sprinting that, sprinting sprinting mm -hmm. over and over again for 20 minutes mm. they're okay. really funny to watch Yeah, yeah. yeah, so intense. Not so funny it's, to do. Uh, It's very different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not for the others. Just no, but when you can feel that you had that little little extra, you know, that edge, it's a, it's a good feeling. Okay. But um, um, so like, so you're from Copenhagen, like you born and raised there, or? No, no, I don't know if you're familiar with geography here in Denmark, but I'm actually from yeah. Jutland. That's the part that's attached mm -hmm. to your country, Germany. Yeah, okay. Oh, yes. Okay. So I grew up exactly in the middle of uh, Jutland. Actually, very funny. It's the same area or the same city that uh, Jakob Fulsang uh, mm -hmm. came from. Mm. Um, and I think with oh, yeah, we actually one year apart. So we actually, we actually yeah. went to the same gymnasium. But back then, you know, I was not into biking at all, so I had no idea about uh, who he was. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure at some point we could have, you know, crossed each mm -hmm. other in the in the halls. It's a funny thought. But but then you also started, or like you did the same races, eh? because he was he's also coming from mountain biking. True. So true. Mm -hmm. But when I lived in uh, actually Silkeborg, which the place is called where we grew yeah. up, is one of the best areas in Denmark for mountain biking at all because there's a lot of hills and really nice mm -hmm. forest and beautiful nature. A lot of lakes, um, but I, I, like I said, I didn't ride my bike when I was living with my parents yeah, back yeah, home, yeah. so I had no idea. I only went partying and went to the lakes for swimming and stuff like that. How did it start? <laughs> that's how well, how did you find your passion for cycling? Or that was be be before we be sorry before we come into cycling. I just want to ask another like just normal life question. Like before we started, you said you you understand German. Is that the reason yeah. why you understand German? Because you went to a lot of parties with Germans? Yes. Then because <laughs> <Yes>. it was close? <laughs> <laughs> so when I finished gymnasium, I had no idea what to do. I knew I wanted to join so, uh, something called like a high school, a type of school that we have in Denmark where you go for sports and social life. You do it mostly like half a year after gymnasium before you enter uh, university. It's kind of like a free year where you do life stuff. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I needed money for that. So with a friend of mine, I went to Switzerland and actually went to Liechtenstein first and then to Switzerland and worked uh, a season, a winter season at bars and pubs and stuff like that to earn money. And I don't speak any Swiss dialect at all, but uh, only like Hochdeutsch, and we I could get along with that, and that's kind of how that's where I started learning German, and later on, just to 
fast forward a little bit, once I started biking and got on my first international team, it was a German team where I also only spoke German for a couple of years. So I spoke a lot Which of German one? there as well. And I think 90% of my career at Specialized, I had my, my mechanic, the one I work with the most, was also German. And mm -hmm. he liked to speak with me in German. So I spoke <laughs> a lot of German throughout my life. But I can really feel it. You know, once you don't use it anymore, it gets so rusty. But we could probably have this conversation in German. Yeah, we should nice. just invite you to the German podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, do you have time next week? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, okay. I just already asked the question, but let me start with the question we normally uh, ask at first in the podcast, because this is Besenwagen, and mm, I guess you know what Besenwagen is. And have you been to one before? No, I've never, I've never been to a Besenwagen. It's still there on my to-do list. Yeah, there is an uh, incredible lack of Besenwagen in mountain biking. and uh, But you had one road season. I thought maybe you had the pleasure. Yeah, no, I was in the races. I was busy doing other things. I would, Sadly, I didn't visit the, the Besenwagen. Mm -mm. So, so, okay. you, so you basically tried to win the races. So that's why you were <laughs> too busy for the Besenwagen. <laughs> no, one is too, uh, no one told me the option, you know, about the, the Besenwagen. If oh, only you just I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fuck. Okay, then this is your first time. Welcome. Thank It's you. Great. <laughs> It's great. It's good to be here. <laughs> okay, so how did you start? Uh, how did you start cycling? Well, in 2006, I moved to Copenhagen to start my studies. I do not come from a family of like intense or serious or elite sport at all. Um, but I started. Uh, I joined the triathlon club once I moved to Copenhagen. And to make a very long story short, uh, in the winter times we did some mountain biking and I just realized this is really funny and I'm really good at it. And so from 2008, I joined a, a mountain bike club instead and I was just hooked. And, you know, from there on, it was really just, everything just took off. It was, I started doing a few races in Denmark and actually I did my first, I think my first international race was a Bundesliga race in 2009 and things just took off from there. You were already 24. Yes, when I started. Oh, 20 uh, racing, yeah. And yeah. 22 when you first in 2006. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is crazy late for such a yeah. successful athlete. Yeah, yeah. It's a really an unusual story in many ways. Yeah. I, when young people go to bigger cities to start studying usually the story is something else <laughs> yes have you done any other sport before that or? Mm, when i was a kid you know i was just one of those kids we grew up in a small city outside of the bigger city Silkeborg. so and whenever i had to do something i had to go by bike my parents it was a different time back then and my parents did me didn't you know drive me around for everything so basically i had to jump on my bike and you know ride my bike to see my friends or to play soccer or handball or whatever um, also when i had to go to gymnasium i was using my bikes and i was when i was kid i was just always doing all sorts of sports handball volleyball badminton gymnastics i mean everything but only for maybe one or two seasons and then i wanted to try something else and i was never really good at anything i was just kind of 
doing everything and you know I was like hmm, okay let me let me try something new so never anything like super serious just kind of everything and you know yeah okay then you found your you found your sport I guess <laughs> Late, so but, but yeah uh, I just thought uh, when you told the story that 2006 you uh, just had this mountain bike experience And you had a lot of fun. Everyone else didn't have a lot of fun. <laughs> um, yeah, what I thought about, again, um, thinking about Denmark, is there is a crazy amount of successful cyclists. What is it? Where does it come from? Because Denmark has, I don't know how many inhabitants. Uh, I think we're close to six million by now. Yeah, this is like twice Berlin. Mm -hmm. and um, yeah no 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 it's not even twice Berlin. yeah not even twice it's, Berlin. It, that, and you crazy, have yeah. like i guess the amount of pro cyclists like we have in germany maybe we have more but it feels like yeah it's a, it's a good question um well let's let's dig into it a little bit i think it must be something about you know culture and and the opportunities we have here mm -hmm. um I remember when I started mountain biking and I spoke with my competitors in Germany, it was like to make everything work, they kind of had to be in the military or something. It's, mm -hmm. it's, I was always yeah. wondering like, okay, you're like, what are you doing in the military? I was, my brain, I couldn't understand it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But in Denmark, you know, there's a good support system that allows you to do your sports and kind of still do your studies. So. Yeah, yeah but, but sorry, but like then there didn't explain it correctly because in Germany it's, You either are like with the, like the national police or like the regional police, or you're going to like the Bundeswehr, which is the army. But there, you are um, you basically have a lot of free time. I think once you have to do like a, I think three week camp, like to get like to get the integration, you know, like to to be part of it. Uh, you're usually doing that in your off season. But then you have a lot of free time. You get a monthly salary, tax free, and. Actually, the system is similar to yours, I think. Uh, so it's a bit weird that they say they have not have not good support. Because actually, that's that's yeah, what we have in Germany. Is actually quite is good. In a the places are really limited, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The places are limited, so not everyone can get yeah. access to it. You, yeah. uh, it's hard it's hard to get in there yeah. sometimes. But when you're in and there, and it's you still uh, for some people, it's like um, it's. Yeah, it doesn't sound good like for you to go to the to the military, to the army to get support. Like I know or we know Mika Kröger, a uh, really successful yeah, female yeah. cyclist. And I know she didn't get into that system because she thought, no, I don't want to be in the military for that. And um, yeah, your system seems like a, a normal social system. And are these places limited or what? Do you know what do you have to do to to get in? Well, if you to to get at a point where you get some sort of support, you have to actually make it there first. So you have to prove that you have you have the talent and and stuff mm -hmm. uh, before you can get to a point where you get support. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard to, but I think what but it's it's very the support is not always that good. So basically. You also have to rely a lot on, on yourself and your own little system that you have around you. So I think it all comes down to a, a cultural question, to be honest, that we mm -hmm. that we have, you know, what it takes to put in the work to do it or something. I, I don't I don't know. It's hard to 
answer that, this question actually. Yeah, and you like cycling maybe uh, <laughs> or bikes. What what is it like in in road traffic? Like cars and bikes in Denmark, do do they get along? Um, well, that depends on where you ride your bike. It can get quite intense in the bigger cities like Copenhagen, mm. especially in rush rush hour. Um, but then again, they always try to also in the bigger cities to to build the road so there's actually a lot of space for the um, for the cyclists actually some places in Copenhagen you can only go by bike and you know there are also roads where the bike lanes would take up I don't know 50 or 70 percent of the total area and then there would be like very limited space for the the cars in the middle so uh, our infrastructure is really good for uh, for bikes meaning a lot of people ride their bikes and use uh, bikes as a way of getting around. And I think once you are on the bike, uh, it's easier to, um, you know, keep exploring that world. But did you, like, when did you move to Copenhagen? Like during your career or just like when you stopped? Because I stayed in Copenhagen for like a few months and I was on a road bike, but I've, I found it... Uh, It was nice in this city, it's it's true, you, but actually you heard a lot of traffic jam on the bike paths. Huh? That's yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. when you're coming to the traffic lights and it's just like, yes. I don't know, like 20 or 30 bikes in front of you. Yeah. But uh, leaving the city, it's okay, but it's, I think as a professional cyclist, it's quite tough yeah. to live in Copenhagen. Yes, yes, yes. If you have to, if you live like in the middle of Copenhagen, you'll have to spend the first maybe 30, 45 minutes just riding in traffic. I was lucky yeah. that I always kind of lived on the outskirts, like very close to the main bigger roads leading out of town in different directions. So I never had to ride a lot of a lot in, traf uh, in traffic um, once I started riding my bike professionally and needed a lot of training. Um, so for me, that was never an, an issue. Um, no. So you actually have mountain bike trails then in Copenhagen? Not in Copenhagen, but we have... Yeah, so like I just yeah, outside, yeah. Close to Copenhagen, we have. So if you live in Copenhagen, you would have to ride your bike for 30 to 45 minutes to reach the closest trails. And there are more directions that you can go in. All right. Um, <clears throat> I noted some questions, but actually, yeah, we are a road cycling podcast and they are mostly related to road cycling. So before I'd like to ask you before we come to road cycling, <laughs> um, I'd like to ask you what for you what were the highlights of your career before you switched um there are yeah, of course there are such a lot of successful races such a lot of titles um but are there some races maybe you or i cannot find in the research that are memorable to you um of course all the titles are pretty big because it's something that you yeah it's It's just crazy once you reach that point where you actually are doing it. Uh, before that, you only imagine how it, it would feel and all of a sudden you're there and it's like, wow, it's really crazy. Um, there are so many good races. I think actually one, one race that stands out for me, I think is back in 2009 or something, when I did a Bundesliga race in Germany and mm -hmm. ended up on the podium and it was only my, I can't remember, second 
maybe second Bundesliga race. That was pretty. That was pretty insane because it was my first international podium, and I think that really got me hooked. Mm -hmm. I yeah, so, so we have to exp we have to explain this the mountain bike Bundesliga. It's it's usually also international races. Huh? Um, it's races only in Germany. Oh, what do you mean? Yeah, no, no, but I mean they're, they're like they're also international. So like they are like UCI race. Oh yeah. Or, or I don't know. I don't know if they have been back then, but yeah. Now I think every Bundesliga race is like a yeah. international. Yes, or UCI it's a UCI race, category, yeah. uh, different categories, yeah. but mm -hmm. they, they, I think they are all yeah in the on the UCI mm -hmm. calendar. Yeah, I find it crazy to to see like you you definitely got the engine because of your multiple marathon titles and there is this one cross-country title and i guess there are not a lot of people in the world that got a world champion title in these two disciplines because cross-country um i got a few friends uh, who ride cross-country even professionally and it always appears to me that It's so hard to hit the point uh, in these races. They're, they are so short and there are so, so few races in the World Cup. You have to be fit, you have to be in shape at one point and you cannot play around with your big engine like you maybe can in a marathon race. It's still pretty hard to win that one. But cross um, country likes more gambling and more... Uh, Yeah, to be on point, and this is so hard. And you, you got it, and nearly got it a second time. <laughs> True. I think you have to be very adaptable to whatever you're doing, be it Cape Epic, a marathon race, cross country, or short track. And I always love the challenge of different types of racing. Um, You know, it really kept me sharp and my 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 mind, like really, you know, mm, the adrenaline was pumping so much, you know, from the challenge of something new and something different. So I really always love to mix it up instead of always repeating myself every single race, mm. season after season after mm. season. Trying something new really, like, you know, it sparked something in me and it really made the adrenaline go. Um, but it's also at the same time a little bit draining, having to adjust to something new constantly. So you have to you have to find the balance, um, which is not always easy. So okay, let's uh, approach the switch. Um, <laughs> the idea uh, the idea to go to road cycling. Uh, did it develop in your friendship with Anna van der Bregen, or was there the, an idea before? Uh, what came first? I think, um, well, back in 2010, uh, I did uh, our national championships on the road. So I had done a few local road races before. So I knew what road racing was. Um, and also I loved watching the, the women's uh, road racing. Uh, I think it was quite uh, interesting to watch. And Anna van der Bregen, true, she did some races with us. She was on, um, I think from 2017 and onwards, she was on a specialized bike. And once she, uh, yeah, she, you know, had the interest to do 
uh, mountain bike races, she was um, um, very naturally connected with us because we, our team, our specialized racing team was, we were already at the races. So she could get the support from us. And then, yeah, a friendship grew with her. And this kind of idea was always somewhere in the back. I was talking about it. My manager was talking about it. People are specialized. It's a big brand. A big company was talking about it. And then a connection was made with her team. Uh, back then it was called uh, Bowles Dolmens. Um, and that was kind of how it, it all started. And uh, we made an agreement that I could um, do some races with their team in 2019. 19. And I could... Because so Dennis Dam, the director, director, um, he knew where my strength was, that I was a very strong rider. And he was like, I think we need to put you on the spring classics. And also that was kind of what I felt like suited me the most, because there you need to be really strong because there's naturally a selection happening in these races. Um, so that is that's kind of how it happened. Okay, shortly back to mountain biking, because before... Anna and you rode Kip Epic and won. Yes, <laughs> and we did. Yes, we I, did. I read uh, some funny sentences uh, where you said uh, you really suffered behind her. Like in the trails, not, but when she like put the hammer down, you had to suffer because she was so strong. She was very strong, yes. <laughs> yes, I, I remember, so Kip Epic is eight Days and it starts with a relatively short prologue. It's like less than an hour. And it was like long, one long, long, long climb, then kind of a flat plateau and then a short descent. That was the course. And Anna was setting the pace of this climb and I basically, all, all I had to do was just to follow her. And I remember at the top of the climb, I was like, okay, good, now we can take a breather. And then she just went into time trial mode and I just had to, I was suffering on her wheel on the flats after doing this long, long, long climb. Whew, that was tough. That was really, really tough. And I knew, okay, um, I have picked the, the right partner for this race. Yep, and then the team director said you were good for spring classics and I guess uh, Strade was the first one. Did you, did you do anything before? Yeah, so Strade was my first one. Yeah. Quite a good start yeah. into your <laughs> career. <laughs> so like, I mean, obviously like the race suits you, like with the climbs and uh, a bit of dirt. I guess bike handling is also really handy, but were you surprised by the way you performed or like I don't know you went second but I, I don't know what the distance was to the <coughs> to the winner who won that year uh, Anna uh, it was uh, Annemiek van Floyden who won yeah. oh she was a teammate huh? no. No. no 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 for which team was she riding she was with Mitchell and yeah Scott yeah ah okay yes okay <coughs> so but were you surprised by, by your performance or um, or disappointed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or disappointed, yeah. Both, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it was a crazy race. I I don't know what I expected, you know. It was... At one point, I knew that compared to a lot of the girls in the road peloton, I was really, really strong. 
On the other hand, I knew that I had like zero experience with this kind of racing and I did not know how big a role that would play in this in this game. So, yeah, but it was it was cool. Turns well, out no role. Huh? <laughs> Turns out no role. <laughs> well, well, actually here's some insight that you don't know about. But I actually thought that I won the race because I had no idea what was going on in the race and I did not see the point where Anamik took off. So mm -hmm. I, I thought actually I was racing for the win. I had no idea that she already crossed the line and that she had got a gap. Of course, you get, you know, you get information in your earpiece, but um, I struggled. I struggled hearing things that was going on. And it was also everything I heard was kind of it was English, but with a very strong Dutch dialect and I was not used to that you know in a race getting directions in the ear so I was honestly I was so lost in the race uh, <laughs> yeah but I got second still but, but how yeah, was the feeling good. for you being in the, being in the bunch like I mean mountain bike race and short track you're also like the starts are always crazy but then doing a road race is, is different huh? like yeah being did you in feel bunch. comfortable or? yeah but Paul Annika was already uh national champion on the road but yeah, but, but, she yeah but that's a, a dutch that's races. a dutch that's a dutch championship and like there in danish. i guess the, 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 or danish sorry not dutch <laughs> the danish yeah but you, and and you cannot like, compare that I, to this kind of racing at all yeah. not at all yes so, so did you feel comfortable and like no home no <laughs> i was i was not feeling comfortable at all in the in the field in the bunch it was the most scary thing i've ever done on a bike <laughs> And my teammates, my teammates, they were just laughing at me. So basically, I was spending so much energy just trying to stay with the bunch. And I would try to be a little bit towards the front and then very much to the side, you know. So I would kind of, you know, be all over this, all over the place kind of on, on the side of the road. Like sometimes a little bit off and then on again because I did not like to go into the middle. And I remember uh, Anna van der Breggen and Chantal Black, they were just cruising at the back of the, the field like they always do. And they would see me like bounce around up <laughs> like somewhere ahead and they would just sit there and laugh. They told me only afterwards. So at the beginning, I was <laughs> spending so much energy just trying to, to be with the bunch. And, you know, once things got physically hard with all the climbs and the gravel sectors and everything would split up, you know, ironically, I would feel more and more comfortable the harder sure. the race got because less people I had to deal with around me <laughs> um yeah so and then we got to the to the finish of the race and and Danny he knew from my short track uh, records that I had a really good like short punch and it all came down to to the final um, uh, climb up to the finish line in uh, Siena and Then it was like, okay, Annika, now we're racing for you. And I was like, oh, okay, better not mess it up. <laughs> and then I remember uh, Anna and Chantel, they were all working for me. I basically, I just had to follow their wheel. And at this point, the, we were a small group, so I was feeling really comfortable. And I was just trying to draft as, as much as I could and, and save myself for this last piece where I knew I just had to give it everything. And, and I did. I really, really did. But the funny thing is actually really that The races, which are the trickiest, like Strade, Flash Vallon, is also like a lot of small roads left and right. And Amstel, which is really a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's all these three races where you actually were close to win it. <laughs> it's like, 
<laughs> so like basically if you will be a bit more relaxed and maybe like a few more tries you could actually win all of them or you will be able to i i know i'm capable them, yeah. of um yeah. it just takes a more experience with uh, you know learning how to really save yourself and then be comfortable in the bunch um But yeah, and people always uh, ask me like, why did you not switch like completely to rope? But yeah, I don't know. It never, it never really. I no, I was happy. I was really happy with my setup uh, on the mountain bike, mm-hmm. and I, f- I feel like it would be starting all over again. And at this point, mm-hmm. I was always already feeling, you know, I'm I'm getting closer to to a point where I want to do something else and race my bike for a living um, so I saw it more as a really really fun adventure that I was capable of uh, experiencing, experiencing um, in my career as a pro cyclist yeah it's, it's actually really crazy when you like it's crazy when you see you're that <laughs> when, when you're that good and how, coming, how fun coming can into it be? Yeah, like coming coming into sport, which is like also at that point growing like quite fast, you know, like media wise and salaries, teams getting better and more professional. And then you just say, all right, <laughs> actually, I can see or I see I could be one of the best. Well, well I just stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did three races and you got second, fourth and third in yeah. three of the biggest races in the world. And then you did two more and then you said, okay. I'll be I'll be a dentist now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I think, you know, remember my 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 story is I was started super late in in as a pro cyclist. Um mm-hmm. I was living I already had lived, you know, the majority of my life not being a cyclist. Mm-hmm. So it was not like okay, I have to continue racing my bike because that's all I know. This is this is what I'm destined to do. I think mm-hmm. for me it was more like Yeah, I don't know. An opportunity to to explore something else, but I always wanted to, I always wanted to work as a dentist or at least try it out and see what mm-hmm. it was. Um, but I easily, I easily could have continued as a pro cyclist. Um, but I just felt, I felt like I was coming to a point where I had achieved, well, basically more than I ever dreamt about, and I had tried out so much. Um, so much on the bike, like everything, you know, you know what? I, yeah, road cycling, cyclocross, mountain bike, everything, a lot of different races. And I didn't feel like I need to continue to really win this or that. I, and when you don't have that feeling, it's not working. Mm. Yeah. Do you have any like regrets? Um, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. I mean, look, look at what happened. I mean, look at that yeah. career. How can you get regret anything, mm-hmm. any of that? So no, I'm definitely not regret, regretting anything. Okay. Um, how is life as a dentist? Yeah. How far does that experiment <laughs> go? <laughs> how now? does it go? Well, I'm actually, I've been working one year as a dentist. It's super tough. Oof. Wow. It's so tough. So different. So 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 different. Um, Yeah, I can recommend um, for everyone like uh, watching YouTube blogs from Annika because I think, yeah, you are, of course, kind of an idol for people or for young cyclists. Um, there are a lot of girls maybe 
riding their bike fast and like maybe looking up to you and there you can see um a really how tough like this uh, all day life now uh, working as a dentist is because you are pretty done when you come home and you cannot ride your bike as often as before but riding your bike is still a part of your life you No, it's very much a part of my life and I appreciate it even more than I've done for a long time because now I don't I don't know I don't have a schedule I don't have to. It's like I can look out the window and the window and think, "Oh, do I want to ride today or not?" And and you know, I just really appreciate riding my bike and I really love it and I've actually done a few so I thought I was done with racing. But I've actually done a few gravel races and I must say that, you know, somewhere inside of me, I feel, you know, the little, the, the race inside of me is definitely not, not gone at all. So this question know. is here on the list. Oh, <laughs> it would have been like the next question if you are going to race gravel. <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I don't know, you probably don't know it, but I'd also like a professional career until 2016. Then I did a few other jobs. And I started gravel racing last year as well. So just the same way as you start thinking about it. <laughs> and uh, I kind of doing it professionally again. I like, did races in the US last year and gonna travel, I think, four times this year also to the US for, for the big ones. And uh, so I do understand that uh, you feel you feel like, oh, maybe, maybe there's something. <laughs> Because it's fun. It's really, it's really fun, fun, right? It's really, yeah. really fun. And, you know, it's the same feeling I had every time I tried out a new discipline or a new sort of racing, you know, like, oh, this is exciting. What is it? Let me, let me try it. Let me, let, me feel, let me feel what it is. And, you know, I think if you have a racer inside of you, it takes only very little to kind of spark that. And then you find yourself in a new setting. So, but yeah. So how do you find gravel racing different to what you knew? I mean, I'm, I've been on the road, but also my background is cyclocross. So first I was really good in cyclocross and then I changed to the road. And uh, so for me, it's a perfect mixture, like the technique. And I also like riding in the dirt and um, still having this endurance sport. And I love it. It's, it's awesome. We don't have really nice competition or good competition in Europe. So you really have to travel to the States for like the... The, the good races and um, the proper gravel races but yeah it's I really can recommend it it's like even if you don't want to compete but just take in the atmosphere you know and like the the, the spirit and like the vibe in the bunch it's different to road cycling it's getting more professional also like a lot of money is involved now but um, yeah it's nice I really can recommend it yeah, yeah. so if you actually if you're able I guess specialize We'll be happy to send you to some races. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I think all I have to is just ask. Yeah. But it's a good point that you mentioned um, that it is. It has a special vibe to it, but it's also more money is getting involved. And how will that kind of change dynamics? And well, that's that's not a discussion we're going to mm -hmm. have now. But I, I hear, I understand what you're saying about the the atmosphere. And yeah, but I don't. Uh, but I don't think that money will change a bit, but it won't change the the spirit of it. Because the UCI wants to get involved, but no one wants to work with the UCI. That's mm -hmm. the feeling which is there, and I think it will stay like this. There will be two separate gravel Series. evolutions. So like, yeah. Was, yeah, 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 also like two different ways of doing gravel, like this UCI stuff, and then all the big races, like Unbound, Belgian Ruffle Ride, 
So I think there will, there will, yeah, that won't be a UCI race. Mm -hmm. There will always be an independent event. So I think I will probably never do as many UCI races as I will do all the big American races. So, gotcha. Um, because they're, they're, they're different and uh, yeah, 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 just do yeah. it. Um, yeah, we had this topic also with Alban and he was keen to do some. Um, also, stuff like Leadville is inside these gravel series now, which was first mountain bike marathon. And um, I think mountain bike marathon riders are like really good in this kind of races. Like they already used to race far and technical, a bit technical. And I think Alban could crash that too. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. The distance, long distance, it will suit mm -hmm. him so well. Are there any uh, gravel races in Denmark already? Uh, there are some some smaller ones, um, different organizers. Uh, to be honest, I don't know that much about it because I didn't yeah. look too much into it. I only did one this fall, a local one, just because it was nearby. And I think my boyfriend kind of asked me if I wanted to go because he was going with some <laughs> friends. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's try that. And I was just so caught by it. You know, because it reminded me of when I started riding, uh, racing my bike in the first place because I was doing amateur races, uh, amateur mountain bike races nearby. And I would always race against the men. And now that I did this gravel race, the feeling was exactly the same. You know, I was just racing my heart out against the men and it was really good fun. <laughs> um, I have a personal question. Um, yes. You really seem like a high performer, <laughs> like uh, first racing, then yeah, uh, studying dental medicine, now working in that. Where do you calm down? Do you have anything where you're really calm? Where I'm really calm? Yeah. Yes. Um, most of the time, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, I, I really like chilling. I really like just relaxing and watching movies and series. And I also like having alone, alone time and mm -hmm. reloading. And so, yeah, I feel like I'm actually calming down a lot of time. Um, it's actually quite challenging now with the new dentist job because I see so many people during a day there's so many, you know, first meetings where you have to be on mm. and I can feel that it's super draining. And so uh, the time that I need off where I don't have to relate to people um, become even more important to me now because I can really feel, you know, how intense it is. Mm. Yeah, I know that I'm in my first job. I'm a physiotherapist therapist, and uh, it's exactly like that when you meet like 20 people a day and you are one-on-one -on -one and you have to be online all the time you are super tired when you come home yeah and um do you work then, then full you're time doing podcasts <laughs> then you're doing podcasts yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> i'm working full time uh, mm. in in our profession it's normal to not work 37 hours like uh -huh. that's not full time so actually i work 32 and a half and i have all Tuesday off mm -hmm. so I only have like a four-day uh, work week but some of the days are pretty long because I have to be at the the clinic 
before the patients come and sometimes I have to be there after to finish up mm. all the journals. So there are some pretty long days in between and I'm so grateful for my Tuesday off. That's really where I reload and thrive and go ride my bike. But how, how was it to like going to like normal life? Um, I mean, then having like a job where you have to be there at like eight or whenever and then you leave at like six or like a fixed time. As a cyclist, you could say, oh, I go at nine on a bike or at 10. Yeah, it was it easy for you? Because for me, it was hard, the transition. It was, the transition was tough. Really, really, really tough. But it was tough at, on one hand, but then on the other hand, you know, in my system, I had already experienced that bef before because I used to go to school and stuff like that where you have to also be at a certain time and leave at a certain time. So it was a shock to my system, like full-on shock. <laughs> But at the same time, I was like, it was felt like I was kind of refreshing something that my body already knew. Yeah, so so mixed. and But this was yeah, insanely tough. But I kind of, I knew that it was going to be tough. And so I was prepared for it. And also here initially, you know, I had, there's so much basic uh, experience that I need to gain. So I knew it was going to be tough. But, it's, you know, it's like anything else that you, you decide that you want to do. You, you really need to invest, you know, the time and energy to kind of get the, the basic experience. Yeah. Um, I've seen, coming to this topic, I've seen a YouTube video of you where you explain one of the biggest changes in that topic. Um, eating, snacks, appetite, <laughs> like... You uh, you explained that beforehand you could eat all day, like when you came home and <laughs> had snack after snack. And now you have to work like hours and you come home and realize, oh, fuck, I haven't eaten anything today. Yes, yes. <clears throat> you know, sometimes uh, during a normal working day, my adrenaline is going, you know, as just as much or even more uh, like in a, as in a bike race. And you know that feeling when you had like a really, really, really hard training or really hard race? Afterwards, it takes a little while before you, you, your appetite actually, you know, comes back naturally and feels good. And I often feel the same during a working day. I, I don't really have any feeling of hunger or appetite. I know I need to fuel, uh, <laughs> so I try to like stuff something into my head during a working day. But, and it, you know what? I cannot tell you how many times I've bunked on my way back from work because <laughs> I use my bike as a commuting and I would ride for like half an hour and I would like be so cross-eyed. <laughs> One time I even had to, I was the way, the road that I ride home from work, it's a one hour ride um, from the work to, uh, to, to home. And some of the roads are a little bit remote going through a forest and there's nowhere you can buy anything, like no snacks, nothing. And I was like bunking big time and I had nothing with me. So I would like go into the forest and find some trees that had, you know, like tiny fruits on them and they, was, they were not ripe and I was just stuffing them into my head and it was <laughs> not working at all. And, uh, and then after like a short break, I could kind of collect myself and, and you know, scrape myself <laughs> home the last uh, half hour. So there's been some funny, some funny episodes in my life uh, riding my bike lately. <laughs> At least you did know what to eat in a forest. 
<laughs> I'm not dead yet, so I guess I, I did it right. Okay, um, coming to uh, Sofa and TV time, give us some snack recommendations. Sorry, snack recommendations? Yes. What, what, do, you, what do you enjoy when you take your time off? And have everything. Snacks. I I mean, to me, so much is a snack. Um, I like everything that tastes like chocolate. Chocolate is first priority. Um, I make hot chocolate at least once a day. That's really my favorite go-to snack. <laughs> and, and bars? I don't know. Sometimes, you know, I have like a random um, protein bar or something. I can snack <laughs> a little bit on that. <laughs> Raisins, almonds, um The candy of my boyfriend. Oh, yeah, that's a favorite one. Uh, my boyfriend, he has like a really sweet tooth and he often has, uh, I don't know, candy or sweets hidden somewhere. And so his candy is also a favorite snack of mine. <laughs> All right. Oh, still, same topic. My last question for today. Your biggest bonk. The biggest bonk in your life. Do you have a story? Oh, yes, I have a good bunk. So before I started, <laughs> before I started uh, riding my bike, I had a year where I did a little bit of adventure racing. That's kind of a multi kind of sport discipline where you race as a team and you do different things. And it's, it's a, quite a long distance. So this was in my early 20s. Um, and we were doing this race. I think it lasted kind of like one day. And I did not know anything about, you know, yet you need to eat and energize on the go. So I did not do that. And any of my teammates, did, they didn't do it either. And we came to a point where we were all like, like we were bonking big time. I actually had to get off. I was riding a bike, get off my bike and just lie on the ground because I could not move anymore. It was intense. And we had nothing left. And we were in this countryside, some random place. So we ended up like trying to get ourselves to the nearest house and these people and we were knocking on the door and the people were just looking at us and they were like almost scared because they had no idea what was going on. And we were just like, we need something, we need food, give us food. And so eventually they gave us like apples and I was like, no, 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 this is not working. Do we have sugar? And they brought us like a full bag of just like plain sugar and we were just kind of, you know, eating this sugar like pure yeah and then we we got going again i think this one goes that into the history as as my biggest bunk Sounds okay right. my my last question would be oh actually two what's your what was your threshold and if you want to say your v2 max and your vl a max hmm. okay so i was never really good with numbers i did a lot of things by feel but I think my threshold power was when I was best maybe 310 uh, 20 30 depended a little bit on what brand of uh, power meter I was on <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and 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 what body weight um I think I body ask. weight would be something like 60 63 All right. yeah and VO2 max, do you know that? Mm, no, I don't know that. Uh, sorry. Just, so, sorry, sorry for the question. It's just like, I don't know, I, f I find it interesting because you, like, 
you know the, the way you race it just everything yeah. must be like a really good value yeah right? yeah so, i i probably had one of the 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 biggest vo2 maxes uh, in the, the the female peloton um yeah i should be better with numbers right i honestly i did a lot of my intervals by feel that's why i'm bad with numbers and number threshold vo2 max 5.0 does that sound like something that makes sense yeah. no no. no, not at all. Yeah, no, 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 no. no five point zero makes ah, sense. Yeah. If yeah. that is uh, liters, so then that makes sense. Yeah. Five point seven liters of blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I found it you super funny when you held that cup with tomato juice or something in it. And yeah. Said, this is five point seven liters. <laughs> that was my boyfriend's ideas. He had a lot of ideas for videos, but he was like, "We need to illustrate how much blood this is." So here we have tomato juice. Yeah. But actually, then I have another question because you just mentioned you did a lot of things on feel. So it means you didn't have a coach. So like you, you, you trained yourself. Mm, my boyfriend was training me kind of, uh, yeah, the last uh, years of my career. And I had a different coach from 2019 until 16, uh, 2000, sorry, from 2009 or 10 and onwards, I had a coach. And then in 2016, my boyfriend was basically coaching me because he's also working as a coach. And mm. it was just so much easier because I often struggle kind of explaining to my coach how I felt. And Thomas, my boyfriend, he could see, he could see like how I was feeling, even though I was not able, capable of actually, mm. you know, telling him, giving him the right information. He could see it like, okay, how was I was actually feeling. And with him, it was so much easier to adjust training and he would do things differently than my previous coach. So it worked out quite well having him as a coach in the last, well, four years of my career, I guess it was. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right. Okay. Any last questions? Question? Yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're, you're having e-bikes, right? Yes. How do you like it? Oh, it's so good fun. Man, <laughs> it's like you get on that bike and it's just like, I have good legs today, again, all the time. And I can ride wherever I want to, again, and over, up all over the hills. No, it's, uh, it's really good fun. I really like it. Okay, you have a MTB and also a gravel bike, right? Mm, I don't have any gravel bike. I once I borrowed a road e-bike um, and now... Uh, all I have is a, an e mountain bike, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's but to be honest, like like an e road bike doesn't make sense for you because you're actually still probably too good because it's just until 25 k's an hour, and I guess you, yeah. you reach 25 k's yeah. an hour quite. And then my e road bike doesn't make sense in Germany no. or in Central Europe with a lot of mountains. It makes a lot of sense, um, yeah. But here in Denmark, it doesn't really make any sense, uh, yeah. But a mountain bike on the trails in Denmark is really good because you can kind of, you know, you just have endless amount of sprinting power. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. It is good. So do I, do I might see you at like gravel races this year in the States or? Uh, I'm not planning on it, but uh, we'll ah, see. Okay. You, so nev you never know. <laughs> you know, sometimes I just pop, pop <laughs> up know. where you don't expect me to be. So, yeah. <laughs> Are you okay, going to yeah. be at the tour in Copenhagen? I do not know yet, but I might just um, yeah show up and watch something of it. Could be fun. Yeah, is the female so. tour also in Denmark or is it just in no. France? 
in France. Yeah, I don't think. France. Not yet. Maybe it will one day. All right. Fingers crossed. Okay. Thank you so much that you took your time. Yeah, thank you too. Yeah, thank it you. was uh, nice to be in the Besenwagen. If only I had known that earlier on in my career, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just for once, but it's good. You, you can come back. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Next I would love time to in come Germany. Back. Okay, then. <laughs> yes. Yep. Thank you. Then see you, see you maybe in the dirt somewhere. Yes. See you maybe in the dirt somewhere. Or somewhere else. You never know. <laughs>